Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very special edition of Pal to Tech. This is the Done Over Perfect podcast. And on the show today is Canadian fashion photographer Benjamin Canaric. Benjamin is currently based in Paris, and his amazing fashion photography has appeared in Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, Glamour, Elle. I mean, just to name a few. You should go check out his website, benjamincanaric.com. I'll have some links down below. There is a list of supermodels and worldwide fashion clients on that site that he's worked with. That thing just goes on and on and on. He's worked with everybody. I would like all of you to say welcome to Benjamin Canaric. Welcome, Benjamin. Are you there? Yes, thank you so much. Um, I'm I'm sorry I'm not showing my face today, but I'm in a place that makes it rather difficult. But I am so pleased to uh, have the privilege of being on your show. Thank you, man. I've been watching your YouTube channel for quite some time. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate your inviting me. When you were first taking photos, your first photos, who did you look up to? Who who inspired you? Okay. uh, Well, thank you. That's a great question. I learned photography while studying architecture. We all had to photograph details of of buildings and learn how to develop film. And uh, so basically I was shooting black and white imagery at that time. There was a photographer that is relatively well known. He's a Chicago-based photographer I used to look up to. And his name was Victor Skrebneski. And what took me aback in his style was how radical his lighting was. He wasn't doing pyrotechnics with his lighting. He just did some very strange lighting angles that were very unconventional, uh, unconventional, sorry, for the time. I mean, he would have a beauty dish that was shooting directly down on the model at 90 degrees, and the models would invariably all, always have to raise their head up and face huh. it. So they were incredibly dramatic. There were a lot of shadows, and it was totally against convention. And I guess that was my first exposure to fashion photography. Of course, the film Blow Up had an effect on me as well. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, David Bailey and and Verushka. You have an architecture background. Yes, Um, indeed. Can you talk a little bit about that and what kind of influence it had on your photography? It had a major influence on my photography. Um because I was always aware of and playing with negative and positive space, because architecture is just that. It's negative and positive space. There's a yin-yang approach, in at least what my design approach was. I, I was a huge fan of people like Frank Lloyd Wright, who was probably one of the most amazing architects of the last century. How that affected me? Well, simply by how I frame my images, how I integrate and play with Um, positive and negative space, my natural affinity for seeing color and how I kind of intuitively approach my interpretation of a fashion scenario. I, I guess it's become kind of second nature for me, Chris, because I've been doing it for over 30 years. I just see things. I guess after a certain period of time, your eye becomes very, very much trained and you just see space negative and positive space in a very different way. From a purely composition point of view, architecture was an asset. Let's actually look at your website. So on the left, next stop Paris is Vogue. So you know, it's Vogue. Urban Palette is Numero Magazine. Runway Girl is Numero Magazine. Blew My Mind is L. 
The Beauty in the Body is the first time that uh, a major Vogue magazine was able to shoot in the Rodin Museum. And uh, as a result of that shoot, the Rodin Museum, uh, their curator connected with me and asked, may we buy that collection to be hung in perpetuity at our museum? And they purchased the images to either be stored and to be pulled out when they wish to. I signed them one of one at a specific size. The French government purchased that story for the Rodin Museum. The reason they bought that series is because when Rodin would uh, sculpt in that space, which was his residence before it became a museum, so that his visual connection with the sculpture wouldn't be so chaotic, he used to hang a muslin backdrop behind the sculpture he was working on so that he wouldn't have all this chaos behind him because every, I mean, all these sculptures that were all over the studio. So he would literally build the backdrop to frame that one sculpture he is working on so he could concentrate it and see it as an individual entity. Thus, now I didn't know that. And thus, when they saw my story, they went, oh my God, this is exactly what Rodin was doing. And it wow. replicated his style. And that was one of the reasons they found it attractive and decided to purchase the collection. Give me this moment here. I am speaking with a Fujifilm photographer that had his work purchased and is now in or owned by or owned by one of the most prestigious museums in all of the world i guess do i have that right (laughs) i just want to make sure okay (laughs) it wasn't posted on instagram i'm saying this isn't a museum in france okay right i have an exhibition running right now just outside new york that was quite an honor that was a uh, a nod to Condé Nast and hearst and uh, so they chose my images because i shot lydia hearst who was the daughter of patty hearst who was kidnapped by the right yes Sudanese so, Liberation Army that's or something right, like that. Exactly. Yeah. And so I shot a cover of Harper's Bazaar with Lydia Hirsch. She flew in from uh, Los Angeles to shoot with me here in Paris. So they approached me and asked me if I'd like to be in their exhibit, which I, of course, said yes. Looking at your portfolio, for example, the difference between, say, Night Call and the 80s are back, which, you know, was shot outside at a lot of kind of famous landmarks in Paris. Yes. Well, first of all, you're outside on public streets and you're with some of the most beautiful and recognizable uh, fashion models models on the planet. Is it just you or do you have a security team? I mean, walk me through a day. You're there. (laughs) You have craft services. You know, to be quite frank, (laughs) the Parisians are so jaded right. and they're so used to seeing prods being shot in Paris. It's like, right. <laughs> right. but really okay. it's like New York, it's like uh, in Hollywood when you're shooting. Okay. I, guess, okay. I guess you could say Paris to fashion is akin to Los Angeles in the music and the film industry. Generally, our teams run between eight and 12 people. So when we're out and about shooting on location, we have an entourage. Okay. Uh, and what's interesting, because I know the law and because I know how I shoot, I. I never use tripods because I can't be spontaneous. Never in a million years will you get me to use a tripod. I do use monopods just for the downstroke, you know, protection from shape. The law in Paris is monopod, yes, tripod, no. I don't need a permit. The process goes as follows. So, you know, let's say we know we're shooting a 10 or 12 page story in a cover try. So we go to our first location, like you saw for what we did for Grazia. And that was not, 
that was a special Longchamp uh, shoot. So uh, we shot in front of, I saw you saw, we shot in front of the Moulin Rouge. We'll have our entourage behind me, like the stylist, the hair and okay. makeup assistants. What you'll find more often than not is you'll have a shitload of tourists with their iPhones, you know, oh, and you have to be, you have to accept it because you can't fight them off. The only times it becomes really invasive is if Frederick is shooting the video and somebody walks in front of her. I'll get my shot. I'll say it's a wrap for this change, this clothing change. And then Freddie will come in and do her thing. And she'll have her uh, either her, her X-T3 okay. or X-T4 on a monopod uh, shooting with her 18. We have two 18 to 55s. Or when she's out and wants to blow stuff out, it's the 50 to 140, okay? But I recently acquired the 16 to 80, so for our next shoot coming up, next two shoots coming up, she'll use the 16 to 80 on her monopod, and I'll use the 18 to 55 on the gimbal. Once the video's a wrap, we go, okay, change. We go back to the location where our base station, we do our change and go to our next location. And it's fun and it's great. I love productions. In fact, I love productions. Me too. Yeah, isn't it fun? I mean, it's, it's a oh, real it's event. It's the process that makes it so much fun. And of course, as you know, Chris, as well as I do, rushes are so important. I'm talking video and still rushes. I mean, you can pull the worst shoot in the world from bad stills in your editing or the best shoot in the world. Not the best, but the best you can you can right. extract from it. What we do is when we get home after a long day of shooting, we upload everything into um, into Capture One Pro. Oh, okay, uh, so you're in Capture One yeah, Pro. Yeah, I won't go near Lightroom. Offload it in there. I'll tell you, it's great for Nikon <laughs> and Sony. No, it's great for Nikon and Sony right. and Canon right. and for the GFX50S, which is not an X-Trans sensor. Then right. you, you're okay. But, you know, when I first got Fujifilm, I was ready to drop them within a week of owning it because I thought, what are these watercolors? Nothing is sharp. It was horrible. Yep. It was like these wormy artifacts. I'm not making this shit up. It was no, 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 no. They're, they're absolutely real. They're okay. there. They're um, there. There are ways to work around them. It's yeah. a matter of do you want to make all no, that effort I don't. or not. I, I don't. Okay. So, I mean, as soon as I got Capture One, it was like, I exaggerate not. It was like night and day. It was a 180 yeah. degree turnaround. It was a brand new camera. It was sharp as God knows. It was sh oh. brutally sharp. Yeah. And my classic setting for most lenses is 140 to 180% at 0 0.8 pixels at zero threshold and huh. zero noise reduction. And that's wow. all I do. We export our variants, we export our selects, our variants out and then open them up into Photoshop. Uh, Fred will do, if she needs to do liquify, she will. Then once oh. that's done, we send it to our one of our two retouchers. They have their deadline. They, send, uh, they keep sending Freddie JPEGs to confirm that it's okay. Once it's okay, then sh they will send us the PSD with all the layers and we will flatten them and send the TIFF off to the magazine or the ad agency. We will, we will choose no, no more than five or six selects from each clothing change. In other words, imagine one page of the 12 pages of that one final select for that one page we will send five or six to the magazine. And our philosophy is the following. Can you close your eyes and point at any of those six images and say, yes, I would be proud of that image representing who I am. If the answer is yes, then yes, that's great. You can send all of those images. And nine times out of 10, we're so pleased 
by the selection they make and it's often better than the one we would have chosen because they have the eye, they're creative directors. That, in fact, leads me into what I was about to ask you. You were on a podcast with Omar Gonzalez, yes. awesome YouTuber. Yeah, he's great. And I love him. you said something on his podcast that has just not left me. It has made a huge impact. When you press that shutter, it says more about you than the model you're shooting or the or the or the subject you're shooting the subject you're shooting yes i want you to ponder that for yeah me. oh and, and, I, I have actually and, since and, i and, saw and, the podcast when i'm in front of my subject and there is this synergy happening i will press the shutter when that fibrillation in my solar plexus happens and that will happen for many different reasons and those reasons have more to do with how I'm feeling about myself and how I'm projecting myself through that individual that I am using as a mirror and a mirror of who they are. And all I can do is interpret who they are through their eyes and through their id because I can't be in them. So I am trying to capture the essence of who they are, but I'm not really trying. I take that word back, That that throw that in the garbage. I am chronicling a moment in time that is the only moment in time that I can at that sector in time because I'm in the here and now when I do press that shutter. So right. you can see, I will give you a perfect example, the art director of Madame Figaro magazine, one of the greatest art directors I've ever met named Martin Schmalgruber. And I remember walking into the office to discuss an up and coming shoot and he was looking at some of the work I had done recently and he looked at the work and he looked up at me and he had this really kind of, I don't know, this curious smile and he looked me right in the eyes and he said, so Kinneric, when did you quit smoking? <laughs> and I'm getting goosebumps right now as I say it. I said, what? How did you know I quit smoking? I can tell by your images, Benjamin. I can oh, tell wow. by your images. Huh. I can see. I know it's difficult to grasp. I mean, intellectually, oh, I you, ca get it. you can't even grasp it intellectually. It has to be grasped on another level. It's like one of these days you need to stop yourself in the midst of taking that photo and just before pressing the shutter, stop and recollect everything that happened, happens between the last shot you took and the next one and all of the thoughts and the feelings that are going through you at that juncture in time when you decide to depress that shutter. That's where Omar said, oh, me, I just go, and he goes, got it, got it, somewhere in there. I know I'm taking up a lot of time on this issue, but it's important. This is important stuff, man. This is the heart of it, right? So it says who you are as an artist. I mean, when you chronicle people like Van Gogh and or Picasso, when he went from being a sir a super realism artist. People used to say, oh, he, 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 was, a, he was an abstract painter because he couldn't paint. Oh, au contraire. No, <laughs> that, he could paint you like a photograph, as could Van Gogh. You can see a lot about a person's id and who they are at, their, at that moment in time when they take a picture. It says more about you than the subject that you're capturing. Wow. That's, that's, wow. that's just wonderful. Um, thank you for sharing that. So I'm going to ask kind of a tough question. Has, has there ever been 
a time for you, a, a, a specific shoot. You don't have to mention any names. I'm just saying any kind of a shoot that you've had in the past where things might not have gone as you originally envisioned them to go. And there, it's not connecting. There's just not that connection. And you're having to deliver. You're having to push through it anyway and deliver and get it done. Has that ever happened? And if so, looking back at it now, are you glad or proud of the work that you had done and the fact that you had gotten it finished? Whatever shoot you do do, the first shot is usually the most difficult. Why? Because you don't know the person who's in front of you. There's an orientation period. There's breaking of the ice. I generally shoot two, three, four times more imagery on my first image just because I'm trying to learn about that person in front of me. Because I'm not a director, I let people be, so I don't think <laughs> people pose, I think that's a joke. I've had a couple of shoots that were complete disasters. I mean, when I say disaster, so much so uh, that the story was not published in that magazine. Mm. Um, we were shooting an incredibly freezing cold weather, and you need to know that we're shooting three to six months in advance, so here we are in January or late January, early February, shooting at La Défense, where the, you know. Oh, in, I know where that is. You know where it is in, in Paris. Yep. And there's a lot of winds, very windy. I'm shooting spring summer clothing. And I mean, the girl is wearing, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? Like really super light. There's, and of course, the, the assistant stylist is carrying a huge coat. And of course I'm empathetic and I take off my jacket to feel what they're feeling. And uh -huh. I know, okay, I can only shoot a spurt of 30 images of maybe 60 seconds, put the coat back on her, warm uh -huh. her up, and then keep pulling the coat oh, off her. Oh, interesting. Okay, everything came across as stiff. Everything was screwing up. My TTL wasn't working properly. It was overexposing every time I did the shot. I didn't uh -huh. have the time to figure out what was going on. I, I, I didn't have my flash meter with me. I could have shot manual. It was just too much pressure. So lo and behold, if you were to see the shoot, most people would look at it and go, hey, that's really nice. I mean, a, a major magazine picks it up and bought it. But for my, I don't show yeah. it. It's not in my portfolio. It's yeah. nowhere to be seen. Right. It was a complete and utter failure. And for all of the <laughs> reasons I gave you, freezing cold, the girl's skin was purple. Um, <laughs> Right. It was horrible. And um, yeah, that, it, it's happened. And I got to tell you, Chris, it, it's a hard thing to take when you have to finally tell the whole team and you have to think about it. You know you have a licensing agency. You know it might be able to breathe life into it again, which fortunately happened. But you have to confront the team and say, I'm so sorry, because they keep calling you because they go, Ben, um, we're almost into fall winter election. <laughs> right. The last... <laughs> The last where magazine. is it? Where is it? If it's not in the August issue, where, where you, is it? Where is it? Exactly. Where is it? Okay. And I go, okay, guys, it was rejected. And, you know, and uh, you could have blamed the stylist. I could have done that, but I thought, yeah. no. I hired the stylist, and uh, yeah, I screwed up. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you, because, listen, for my audience, you know, I know that some of them struggle. They're stepping into Fuji for the first time. Some of them are stepping into photography for the first time. And they'll go to your website and they'll see this incredible body of work. And yes, that is inspiring on one level. Everyone gets inspired by looking at it and just what is possible and, and the vision that you have. But I think there's another almost, dare I say, 
equally important inspiration that can come from if Benjamin has a bad day, then you know what? It's okay that I did too, you know? And I'm going to keep pushing forward through it. Yeah. You know, Chris, in, in order to, there are ways to stop bad days. When you're in New York, Paris, or London, you can pull from the best talent in the world. I mean, by far. I mean, the best hair, makeup, stylist. And so when we show up on the location, all I do is sit and wait. And I just let them go because, huh. you know, because they're so good, Chris. Yeah. And they're all contributing 100% to the shoot. They're all as important as I am. I've very rarely had a problem. On occasion, maybe with makeup, I'll say, look, can you pull back on this or add a bit more? I love it if they get all fidgety because those are the best moments. And I often wait for moments between what they think they're doing is right for them to screw up and press the shutter and go, isn't that great? That was a great mistake. You've got to be open to the possibilities of allowing accidents to happen. When you look at some of my images and think it was posed, no, that's not really what it was. It was a pose. No, it was an intention. Can and you show me one? I, I'm looking at your site now. Can you sh- show me one photo that you can, that I'd love to see one that, that was inten- sort of... Yeah, intent. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Night call where she's blowing into the mirror. Let I me mean, see, right? you know, that was just an idea thrown out to her. We okay. just let her do whatever she wants. They're aware of my being in front of them. Just by being there, I'm directing. They're aware of my awareness. They're aware of my, I'm, I'm in front of them. I am just there to chronicle how they interpret their role as an actor is. They're acting for me. And the more freedom you give a model, the better the outcome's going to be. You should never control that person because once you control them, then it becomes ossified and rigid. Everything you're seeing in my book are models being let go. For example, I'm looking at uh, the shot of the model on the bed and you have this really interesting light coming behind ah. her. Man, <laughs> I think that's eye, the best dude. shot in here. Dude, I, I love it. You and I. I the mean. way that you have it backlit. Can you talk? Just yeah, tell me about this shot. I want to hear everything oh, you, yeah, you yeah, remember you're about gonna it. Oh, yeah, you're going to love this. Because Look, let's get yeah. geeky for a second. Yes, you please, see the guy please. In the Come on, it's a gear you channel. See, no, it's great. You see the guy in the background? In the yeah, door? I was going to ask you. There's somebody in the background. I wanted that. That's the guy she's having her affair with. It's a night call. You know, that's what it is. I hear I'm going to now scream how gobstruck I am by the GFX 50S. I, oh, okay. I want you to, this is the GFX 50S. And when we talk about, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> I get teary eyed because I got two of them. Listen uh. to this dude. This whole shoot, except for one image, was the 32 to 64 shot all wide open, F4. And when I say this lens is brutally sharp, I say it is brutally sharp with a capital B. And one other image where she's leaning against the wall in the hallway, that was the 45. But everything in this whole shoot was the 32 to 64. Anyways, I was lighting her from the back with a single hard softbox. That's a word, a term I've made up. What is a hard softbox? (laughs) Yeah, what is a hard softbox? Yes, okay, so what I do is I rip all the... A softbox, it's hard to set up? Not at all. (laughs) Okay. A hard light softbox. So I remove all the diffusion material. So I I cut strips of black filler fabric. What I do is I cut out light. I I don't add light. I I start with light and I start to cover it up and block light. And I only want the light to hit where I want it to hit. So I scrim it. So I had a strip of light, which was perhaps 20 centimeters, let's say about eight inches wide and lighting her from the back only. No light on her. You can see, you can see the bleeding on her knee, on her leg. So I'm shooting down at about 60 degrees. Yeah. And guess what is lighting her face? That, 
that was what I was going to ask you. What are you lighting her the face white, with? The white wall that's reflecting light back on. Oh. So like, wait, 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 wait. That's not the original image. It was under by two and a half stops. And I was shooting that at 50 ISO because I've learned something about Fuji and the X-Series. I brought it back up two stops and this is what I got and there's no noise. Do you see where she's standing in the doorway of the bathroom and there's my assistant's legs on the bed? Yes. I needed them all. I needed them all. Oh. I said, take off your pants and get it. And his his girlfriend his girlfriend's my other assistant. So if, if so, I ask somebody on set to take their pants off, I don't know if that'd go over too well. Well, it went well with me. <laughs> right. I mean, you have a team of ten people on the set, so it's all cool. Okay. So so that, now you see that wall next yeah. to her to the right. Yeah, that's the wall that was getting lit. So she was sitting on the bed facing that wall in the okay. other shot. So okay. that's. Anyways, I want to just talk about the dynamic range. The dynamic range is just jaw-dropping. 51 pixels is overkill for 99% of what I do. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. I mean, But I got to tell you something. That Vogue shoot at the Rodin Museum was shot. All the shots were shot with the 63 and the 45, all wide open. 99.99% of every shot spot on nailed focus exactly where I wanted it. And the only time it didn't was because of user failure on my end. What focus mode do you set it on? Are you, are you going with zones? No, spot? no, I'm single, just single point I detect. Oh. Okay. Are you okay. shock? <laughs> no, I'm not because it is so drop dead accurate. My goodness, we're so spoiled today, everybody. We are <laughs> right. so, aren't we spoiled? I mean, oh my goodness, there's only 400 and what, 421 focus points. Oh, geez, isn't that terrible? <laughs> Man, I mean, I came from shooting split screen, uh -huh. manual focus, Pentax <laughs> right. 6, 7, you know, and I, you know, so. Well, I mean, just the idea of, of people, I see people complaining about, you know, oh, you know, SD cards are expensive. Try film, you know, when you're having oh, yeah. to shoot and then get it developed exactly. and it's a whole thing. If you could only have one camera period and one lens glued uh, on to it, it. okay for it. any possible I mean, that's it that's all you get yeah. for the rest of your life okay. what would it be it will be well the xt4 and the fujifilm uh -oh. 35 millimeter 1.4 lens i know ah. it's, it for me it is ah. for me listen dude it is Oh my God, it is drop dead shot. He's talking about this camera right here. <laughs> yeah, and the 35 millimeter 1.4, dude. Yeah, and, I had that lens. What can I say? I mean, <laughs> that's the one. And why? Because, can I tell you why? You see that story you like, the launch? There it is. Do you know the Longchamp story you were looking at? The one you yeah. were, the one in front of Moulin Rouge? Well, half that story was shot with that lens. But I could cite so many of my major shoots and kind of dissect, well, what did you use for this shoot? And for all intent and purpose, on average, I would come to a shoot happily with three lenses, the 16, the 23, and the 35. Okay. For okay. what I do, okay, yes. Chris, for what I do. Right. Because right. I can make a 35 look like a 56. One is the very important Vogue film shoot I did using the X-T4 and X-T3 for oh, the Oh, great. Shoot. Okay. Uh, that was all shot with the 35 1.4, okay? And one thing I love about what I do is I know I've nailed it, and most of the time the team knows I've nailed it when I scream and go, 
oh my God, this is the shot. And once I know I have the shot, I know it's the one. I'll There's no the, better feeling. It's no better feeling. Let me ask you this. There is probably one or two people watching this interview right now who maybe they own a camera or two. Maybe they have spent the past year, which sucked for everybody, but let's say the past year they try to do some shoots. They are an aspiring photographer. They, Their dream is to one day live in Paris and shoot for the cover of Vogue, okay? Uh, what advice would you, what would you tell them? If you could talk to them right now and just calm them a little bit and give well, them the first a thing little you need bit to of do is your, You need to do your sex tape. And so... <laughs> I'm sorry, I should have. I had that in the notes to go over. You but, know, right. but Chris, you know that. I mean, just ask Kim. Just ask Kim. She'll tell you. No, she'll tell you. Uh, look, you don't get a Vogue cover like that. That oh, Listen, listen to me, Chris. I, we can't sit here for two hours. And we, we would, like I said, we would uh, need true. three hours to really get deeply into where we want to go. So let's just say this. If you, want, if you take this seriously, you need to be in that place that can give you all of the talent that will not make your work, work look provincial, where you can pull looks, pull looks from designers that have not come out yet in the press, or if they are current, uh, they're being shown on their websites. By the way, everyone listening, if you really wanna know what's going on, there are three ipso facto sites only, and that's it, and that is Vogue Runway for all of the collections, Tag Walk for the trends of those collections, and Models.com. Be in a space where if you are going to start testing to build up your portfolio, never do an individual image. If you want to be a fashion or beauty photographer, think in, se in terms of sequences. Think in terms of a six or eight or ten page or ten image for the internet story come up with stories do your due diligence obtain a vocabulary study the metier study the profession learn from those three sites i told you align yourself even with a new stylist who can help you put a shoot together who can introduce you to model agencies who need photographers to test their new faces but when you approach them when you do a test say hey look I'm not only going to do a test, I'm putting a story together that could be put together as an actual fashion layout. And we are going to pull eight or 10 different looks. We're going to mix and match them. And we're going to replicate what a real magazine story looks like. And who knows, eventually you might be able to submit it. And you might, it might get picked up by the many, you know, virtual magazines that are out there that are looking for content. Just so you can be, you know, you can, you can start to get an idea of go, what's going on. Just talking with you and, and hearing your passion come through, it's so obvious. Everyone, please go check out his website. Ben, is there anything coming up you want to tell us about you're working yeah, on? or? Yes, of course. I'm going to, going to be shooting the Haute Couture okay. uh, on July 9th. I'm shooting Ready to Wear on July 2nd. And wow. I have a huge story coming out with one of the top 50 models in the world named Karen Jepkeme. She's from Nigeria. Her cover comes up the 21st of June. And in that shoot, I think your jaw will drop because I did that whole shoot with the XT4 and the 18 to 55. I'll tell you why. Wow. I wanted blurry and sharp at the same time. <laughs> so I was zooming as I was shooting. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Got to do know? a part two. This is yeah, it's be a part so much two. fun. Like awesome. talking about casting, how do you put a shoot together and all. 
Well, that's, you know, I got to go, Ben. I got to go to Target and pick up some paper towels. So we got to end this interview. No, Benjamin was very patient. This is all new equipment today. I, I'm using a new service to do this podcast. I've never done it before. So at least not with this one. So Benjamin was the first. So that's awesome. Um, you mean I lost and- my virginity to Chris Lee Palsitech? <laughs> oh, man, that's very romantic. I'll tell my wife, Frederick, I lost it again. you know what i'm gonna do that what you just said i'm gonna cut that little bit out i lost my virginity to chris lee to pal the tech and i'm just gonna put that up at you know the 30 seconds of that on the instagram reel or whatever they're calling it do it yeah do it go for it i'm all you have my endorsement for that awesome awesome wonderful chatting with you and i will will be in touch sir thank you take care To hear more Done Over Perfect podcasts, please visit doneoverperfect.com.